The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to another edition of Tag the Roll. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, co-host, and colleague, Jake Rosen. Jake, how are you doing today, man? 
I'm doing great. School's officially over. It's basketball season. Draft season is upon us. The combine's coming up. We're going to have the lottery very, very soon. I think it'll probably be the day this drops, maybe following day, depending upon how quickly uh, this hits your feed. But exciting times, uh, and I'm ready to talk about it all. Yeah, we have a, a lot to dive into, um, kind of just parse through more of a philosophical episode is the wrong way to put it, but just kind of thought-based. Uh, we're not going to be really necessarily diving into any prospects, but um, some fun stuff to talk about without a doubt. First thing I wanted to ask you too, who are you watching right now? I just thought it would be good to catch up on, on where we're both, uh, you know, what are we looking at right now? Who are we diving into uh, before the lottery happens tomorrow? I am right now, the goal for me over the next uh I would say like two-ish weeks um, once I get back from my trip and can kind of lock into the draft stuff. I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm over the top four, but I feel like we've spent so much time from literally November on uh, scouting them, tracking their progress, um, evaluating it, reshifting the hierarchy. So like, I don't want to say I'm done with them and I, I might write a piece on Ivy at some point before the actual draft. But the biggest point of emphasis for me is trying to iron out that five to 18 range, which I feel like can shift with the wind. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now is trying to put a finger on like the late lotto guys, um, mid-teens guys like Wesley, Branham, Dyson, and then uh, separating them from Tari, Sohan, all, and all the way up to like Johnny Davis, um, who I'm pretty high on. So that's kind of where I'm at. What are, what are you locked into these days? I'm doing something on Jabari right now. Um, that'll be out also tomorrow. Um, so we'll see on that. Uh, so just, I'll, like most of the way through watching the Miami game back um, this morning. So right before I got on. So yeah, you guys should have seen the face Jake just made. Um, again, shout out to Jordan Miller. I was going to say it. I was, <laughs> I was going to say it if you weren't. We, we said we weren't going to talk prospects. And yet the first prayer, not the first, because literally drafted just Miller. off that game. <laughs> He's so yeah. good. Well, it's, uh, it's Jordan Miller. I, we can give him like a quick 30 uh, second hit before we kind of go into everything else. He's just like really fun and good. Uh, I think the offense is like pretty shaky from yeah. a projection standpoint. He's got to shoot it because he is only six, six, like he's wing sized. I, I do think he is one of those guys that you can maybe get away with playing as a small ball four, and he that's what he does for Miami. Uh, they were so much freaking fun. Uh, yeah. That Miami no, team. it's like, especially watching again, like um, I can't think of two teams with more polar opposite games happening. Like Auburn, just everything that could go wrong did. <laughs> everything that could go right for Miami did. Like Charlie Moore hits like a 30-foot pull-up within the yep. first three minutes of the game. And like – I think it's Jabari and Wendell Greener, like both like closing out to him, and like Bruce Pearl is kind of like, oh, and it's just like, yeah, I'm like, oh, it's that. This is the game, and Cam Gusty, like the shots that he's hitting in this game is like Jesus Christ. Yeah, but that, that Miami, it's a good run for that Miami team, and Jordan Miller. That we'll, I'll be tracking him, and also a uh, good friend PD Webb likes to talk about like the jig players that you watch. Uh, prospects on because you kind of have a feel for what they're he's going against the guys, you for sure like that's the guy he's he, i think um you know for any of those wings that are going to be in the acc even a four like jabari like that's perfect you know he's nba tools he's a great springy athlete he's active hands uh, so in addition to being uh, an intriguing second round guy i'd, I'd place him at right now um, he uh, definitely also just, uh, see he he announced he's going back to school last week. Yeah, no, I I was saying like for next oh, year. Oh, okay, just um, 
Yeah, but oh, I want to be very clear. I, I would take a very hard look at him in the second. If, if yeah, no, I him. would too. Like he would, <laughs> he would be, he would be there for me this year. But yeah, um, other than that, like I want to, I'm hoping to write a few things this week. I'm a little bit less. Uh, I don't have to write quite as much stuff for other places this week. So I think I'm gonna, I want to do something on some forwards who I really like later in the first that I think are really interesting bets um, that I'd like to get some more, some more buzz about. Um, other than that, man, just the, like, I, I think I'm trying to catch up on some stuff. Like I want to go through and watch Johnny again, because I feel like I haven't really watched a full game of his in a while. Um, but for the most part, I mean, I'm just ready for it to be here. So it'll be fun, man. Uh, but let's dive into this. What do you want to talk about this week? So the NBA combine is coming up. So I, I actually do like the combine. I think it's a fun experience i actually do enjoy watching it especially when like mike schmitz will get in the booth and get break down film with some of the guys you get to see them get interviewed you get to kind of gauge their personalities a little bit uh, obviously it's different when you're on television but then behind closed doors but i do think it's a, a cool moment to get some access for the from a public sphere uh to the prospects and then of course i find the scrimmage is fun uh, and you know when you get all these prospects on the floor at one time um, obviously everyone's trying to show off a little bit and we're going to get into what you can actually take away from that. But I, I do find the combine fun, uh, partially cause it just like builds the buzz for uh, the draft. I think like for people that aren't following the draft as closely as we are all throughout the year, it's like, Oh, the combine's coming up, the lottery's coming up and all these little milestones that just inch you closer to the actual buzz and day of the draft. So I'm excited for the combine, but definitely wanted to do a little primer episode on you know, how to scout it, um, what takeaways that like I think you can find, um, what the most effective way to watch a scrimmage is, taking the measurements, uh, pro days, all that stuff. Uh, it's kind of a lot going on, and it can be overwhelming. Uh, from I know for me, like my first year or even two, like covering it, just like your eyes are in so many different places. So I thought this would be a good uh, little episode to kind of give some insight into how both of us are going to approach it. Yeah, I mean, like this is going to be the first year I'll actually watch the Combine. I didn't watch last year. <laughs> I'm obviously kept up with all the measurements and everything. Never forget Sharif Cooper being six foot five for a couple of days. Um, that was that was hilarious. Um, yeah. yeah, the some of the the ways that things work out is is hilarious. I, I, I mean, I guess the first thing we can talk about is, um, like appre- appreciating the combine. Is the wrong way to put it, but like what to take away from the combine? Maybe like I think. Obviously, I don't want to speak out of turn because, again, like I said, I haven't really watched the combine before. But after going and doing like live session uh, AAU and like watching that, I think that I have a much greater appreciation for what that setting is like. Um, not that I thought it was bad, but I think more in just trying to parse through what to take away from it. Um, I think for me, when I look at this, um, like obviously you don't want to take everything away from like watching a player play in a combine setting for the first time. But I also think it's really vital for seeing some some things like number one for me. And this is like not meant as like uh, to be unfair, but like like we've talked about I I think we've talked about Johnny thing on here. But like I remember like obviously Johnny was awesome in the NCAA tournament in 2021, went to the combine and he really struggled. Um, I think you saw some of the athletic limitations that are there. And that for me is like one of the biggest things right away. Like that's that was my immediate takeaway from from going to AAU is like trying to figure out how you're scouting in person compared to like, it doesn't sound like it'd be different, but like going and watching games live compared to like just watching on my laptop or or watching a game, you know, 
live on national television like it's so different like i think you can get a much better gauge for athleticism extremely quickly uh when you're live and and on the court like i think it's very clear automatically like not to like hype myself up but just like watching these guys as much as you and i do i can i can watch somebody for like two or three minutes and i'm like that's a d1 d1 level athlete and same thing with like watching the nba guys like for the most part obviously there are going to be some some guys who defy athletic limitations because of how they play but like for the most part i think you can you can go in and see very quickly like this guy is on that level as an athlete um in a number of ways that, that you can see translating on court and making sense for you know, what their size is what their archetype is um and it's less about archetypes but more just like you can very clearly tell like okay this guy he has the burst to be a ball handler or he covers enough ground to be a defensive four or he has like on top of the length like it's a lot of equations going on in your head but i think it's the kind of thing where when i see it like it just it it clicks no that was the that was exactly where i was going to start is that some things are are very you know can fall victim to small sample size tough shot making as we're going to talk about uh, stocks and things of that nature but something that you can you know as you said instantly tell within one two three, four trips up the floors. Oh, this, this is NBA level burst. Like this, this guy's burst stands above the rest of these guys. And he's able to beat the defense cleanly off the bounce. He's able to get vertical and alter shots at the rim. Uh, And I think it's really interesting because as the combine scrimmages have kind of become, I don't want to say like you have more to lose than you have to gain, but it's some, that's somewhat what it's become. So I, I think you start to engage these, fringe like your late fringe first guys and more so your second round guys who are coming from a wide array of competition levels and may or may not be seeing nba level athletes or nba level players all throughout the year so i think that's what the com the combine scrimmages for me you can instantly tell it is from a tools perspective are they an are they an nba level athlete and of course we're going to talk about measurements vertical jumps all that stuff and in terms of them being functional, uh, we're going to cover that later because I know that's something we both harp on a lot in scouting. But yeah, I think that's a great place to start is from a burst perspective, pop time as a rim protector, uh, length. And just as you said, Johnny Juzang is probably the perfect example, just like not being able to create separation. It's something we saw, and he's someone that played against Pac-12 competition. So it wasn't necessarily new, but especially rearing its head uh, one place in a setting like this. Definitely. Um, you mentioned talking about small sample size. Let's talk about that for a second, because I think that's another great aspect. Like um, I'll just like writing. I think, again, I don't want to be unfair, but it's more like when I watch somebody uh, do some good shit, like, again, I've been to one <laughs> AAU live session, so I don't want to be like speaking out of turn, but I, I watched this kid, Blue Kane, who I, he hasn't committed yet, but four star in this upcoming class, he's going to be really good. Uh, was probably the best kid at that session that I went and saw in Indiana. He had this this awesome first game, and automatically I'm like, okay, I'm going to go watch him play a second time because I've never watched him before. I hadn't heard about him. I want to know more. Like, I think he had like 20, 25 points in that first game, and I'm like, okay, is this like saying fluke would be the wrong way to put it, but like is this replicable, and is that something that he's going to put through again? And I think, yes, he did. Like, I went, I saw him do it again. But also in that game, there was this guy who, to be fair, he's a 2025. So he's a very young kid. Um, I think he was, uh, I mean, because I was, I mean, he was playing 17s as a 2025 kid. So like, very good. Um, 
and I think his name is Efiosa Aliogu. Yeah. Um, yeah. you've you've seen him play. He is like he figuring out his craft is kind of wild. The first game I watched, um, he had like a thirty-five point game against the New York team. Just absolutely eviscerated them. Like was their primary ball handler. Then I mean, was taking pull-ups, was getting through them with ease, and then. He was in that second game against Blue Kane, and uh, I want to say they were Boo Williams. Was it Boo Williams? I don't think it was Boo Williams. No, Boo Williams, Nike. Um, yeah. No, oh, yeah, I'm thinking the wrong thing. It was uh, – shit. It was B-Mace, B-Mace. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, like, it was just weird. Like, I mean, not weird, but, like, I think it was more of, like, the trying to get as many reps and understanding what you're seeing because FA will look like a completely different player in that game. Not in a necessarily a bad way, but he was playing more off the ball. He really wasn't trying to initiate anything. Um, part of that is just being a younger player and still figuring out your game. Like, again, this is not meant as an indictment at all, but it, like the point is you like one little combine setting where somebody goes off is really tough to use as like a self or like this guy should go higher than what we thought his, his pre-draft film was, you know, like, or at least that, is that kind of what you're getting at too? Yeah. But it, well, it, what I was going to go next is, you know, talk about, I don't want to say archetypes because we're trying to go with it. Like what skill sets are, does this setting cater to? Like this, this is these teams. I don't know how much thought goes into them in in terms of putting them together and matching skill sets, putting strengths and like balancing strengths and weaknesses in prior years. I can't say that like so much thought goes into it. So what skill sets I was going to go to you, it's, somewhat like a pickup game you know it's definitely less structured than an aau tournament i mean aau is yeah. real teams with coaches and practices and sets this is necessary like it's pretty much pickup and i always say like my personal game not necessarily built for pickup some of my friends very much built for pickup and it's your your shot creators your shooters your prospects who can get a shot at any time it might not be a good one but they can get a look off at any time and Someone like uh, Kessler Edwards, just to say, like, and I know Grant, someone posted like Grant Williams didn't didn't necessarily play super well in the combine scrimmages. Guys that more so thrive in structured game sets and do things really well as it pertains to scheme and executing responsibilities rather than just free flowing and going to get a bucket. So that's kind of the next facet I wanted to turn to and turn with regards to like being conscious of who could shine and who's going to get the opportunity, but then still being able to pick out like Grant Grant made three or four great rotations and that's consistent. That's process. And that's what I wanted to bring is like the process oriented scouting approach. That's something you talked about, which you have to say super conscious of when you're doing AAU, when you're watching one or two games, then needing to decide whether a kid is a top hundred kid, a top 50 kid, or shouldn't be ranked at all. And just trying to pick out the things that seem sustainable from a possession to possession, game to game basis, and not getting so swayed and caught up. I know it's so much easier said than done, but not necessarily getting swayed by gaudy shot making or the the ball going in or not. But how'd you get there? Can you do this again? And how did this look against NBA-esque talent or athleticism? Yeah, no, exactly. I think those are all great points. Uh, and I think another way that I want to transition it to, like, um, would you say that it is or isn't a good way to 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 um, see where a guy's feel is at? Because I feel like I'm in a in a mode where I'd say it's good, 
it, I mean, it obviously it depends, but I think, especially like you mentioned, playing in a less structured environment, you kind of get to really see somebody's decision-making on a higher level. It, it obviously it depends on, you know, the team that they're playing against and personnel, but I do think it's uh, it does show a little bit. I, I really do think it's an opportunity to showcase feel on both ends. I, I think yeah. if, if I were, it's so hard to say concrete one or the other, but if I were to pick, cause obviously there is certain scenarios where you're left out to dry. You're playing with someone who, who doesn't really know what they're doing. Like if we have a, just a scenario, if we have a high field guy who is the, not necessarily like the rotation, but the secondary rotation and the first guy who's supposed to X out, doesn't X out. So then the second guy can't take like the guy who helped in the court or help baseline can't recover to the wing. Then we're not going to be able to see him make that secondary rotation because the guy who was supposed to trigger the X out didn't trigger it and help corner. So like, that's just like a small scenario where I think it is where feel is reliant on your other defenders and it's not necessarily fully on you, but I do think within a basketball game, the more unstructured you're getting, especially when it comes to, I think, I don't want, I think defense is probably where it's easier to show and, you know, it's covering, maybe covering for defend, covering for your teammates mistakes. I know I just said like, there are certain scenarios in which you are scheme reliant because defense is like moving as one five on five, but I do think making backside rotations, um, knowing when to, like if your teammates fronting, showing extra help in the backside, um, not helping off the strong side corner, just little things that, if you can just show that you're not breaking like the five or six ground rules of basketball defense that apply to any setting that will clearly be broken by many prospects in these games. I think that is a good way to showcase, you know, quote unquote feel. And then of course, as a ball handler, like, you should probably be able to dice up pick and roll um, considering there isn't like, yes, they're probably going to say each team is probably going to establish one pick and roll coverage that they're going to play. But I-, I would be hard pressed to, think that the backline defenders are necessarily synced up and linked and um, moving on a string. So I think for ball handlers that uh, have, are high feel, which there aren't necessarily that many in this class, I do think the unstructured um, game can enable them for a little bit of freedom to showcase some things. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I think the other thing that has me really excited is like, obviously, I, I think I don't want to say talent level can be played up too much at times, but I do think like sometimes like, as we know, like uh, what if Luke had played in the A-10, like that kind of thing, or, you know, like, um, oh, God. But, yeah. Um, but like, I just looking at this in general, like you get to see guys play against all prospects. Like it's not just like uh, I'm going out and playing against some really solid, like, high level college players like i'm going and playing against other nba athletes um other guys who have the skill sets to be in the nba or close to it so um that does add another wrinkle that's really important yeah uh th- i want to go away from the scrimmage part and into the measurements because okay. i think the nba the nba is i don't want to say further ahead because there have been like plenty of studies to show that from the nfl combine certain drills court can help correlate to success for certain positions in the NBA. We are a functional athleticism and functional tools podcast. Like That's if you correct. don't, if your seven one wingspan doesn't show on film, then you might as well not have it is, is kind of my approach. So when taking into, when taking the measurements into account, um, I do, and I've fallen victims this before, but 
a prime example I remember uh, from the 2019 draft. Yeah, 2019. Brandon Clark went to the combine and was 6'8 with like an even wingspan and not ideal standing reach, if I remember correctly. And everyone was kind of freaking out, which is uh, like, how is this going to fly at the next level? Yada, yada, yada. And it, the point was, it didn't matter. Like when he was, his quick pop time was enabling him to get to the apex quicker than other players. And his technique and verticality allowed him to maximize every single inch of that standing reach. So while he might have a smaller standing reach than player X, who's a help side defender or a shorter wingspan, the way he gets off the ground and his technique basically are going to cover up that discrepancy. However, something I did want to hit on is margin for error and how that translates to the next level, because obviously what that extra that extra couple of inches does give you is margin for error being a split second later on that rotation being a split second later off the ground not seeing things as quickly and how you balance you know having the tools having the measurements versus actually being functional and where that goes to the next level yeah no i think those are all really great points um especially like you mentioned with brandon clark like um I just like, I mean, sometimes we can get like way too in our heads about a guy's measurements, um, which that is such a weird sense to say, but like, it just legitimately, like, I think that's, there's a lot of credence to that. Like you can put too much stock into something, especially if you haven't seen as much on a guy, like if you just can put in your head, like, oh, okay. I know that he has decent lateral quickness and he has that length. So I'm, you know, maybe more inclined to be interested about where his game is at or something like that. Like, um, that definitely does factor, and especially like like you're mentioning, like talking about um, like particularly with with bigger players, like bigger fives. Um, I think that factors in a lot. What I wanted to ask you as it uh, revolves around this conversation is feel and you know quick processing are is kind of at the heart of this margin for error because it makes total sense. The quicker you're seeing things, the quicker you arrive at the spot, and the more we'll call it margin for error you have for being shorter, uh, not being as lengthy and not having that quick pop time. We'll call it. How much do you factor feel and defensive ability? Let's take someone for like, like Mark Williams, for example, like Mark is, I would, I do not think he's going to be scrimmaging by any means, but I think he is an interesting case study for this conversation. Mark is ginormous, like absolutely huge, probably seven foot and a half, maybe even seven, one, I don't know what the official wingspan saying reaches, but it seems like it's never ending on film and he has good verticality as well, but doesn't get, doesn't necessarily get off the ground as quickly as you love. Um, and the feeling, I don't know how you, what your take is on the feel, but I, I didn't really feel like he got putting a ton of compromising situations where he had to read and react. He was very scheme reliant, like playing drop, hanging out around the rim and then kind of just attacking the ball handler when he knew he needed to hard rotate where do you stand on his projection and where do you think he falls in this conversation as it relates to having pure tools but some like but not necessarily having the feel or quick processing to fall back on and where like where do you think he falls in the spectrum is kind of my question it's interesting i think uh um like, I think, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think that his feel is bad because I, I wouldn't say that count I'd counter, but like, 
he was put in a lot of compromising positions just because his teammates were pretty bad defensively. Yeah, um, no, that's fair. To be fair. Um, but I also am like kind of in the same boat with you. Like, I, I do think like, not that he has bad reaction time, but I think like there are times for sure where he does kind of skate by because he's long as shit and big, but like, that's part of what makes him really good. Um, mm-hmm. So that is something I, I will be interested to see for sure, which like you mentioned, we probably won't see in the combine, but I kind of, like, I'm really interested to see, like, to, to even go another step. Like, I'm – and this is not meant to slander, but I'm interested to see what Walker Kessler looks like in this setting because, like, he's a very, very good shot blocker. But, again, wa- going back through and watching Auburn games again, like, it stands out how jumpy he can be. Um, like, I think he's going to get taken a task with, with fouling people, uh, especially shooters. Like, he has really good body control for somebody his size, but I also think, like, when you're jumping that often – on those kind of pump fakes, like guys are going to take advantage of that, especially in an open gym setting. Um, like I just picture Cam Thomas, like heat seeking the shit out of those. If he got to play against Walker Kessler, um, like again, like he's a young big, those are things that he's going to rep out and work on. But that is something that I, I, I think is a really good point to bring up. I mean, how improvable do you think that is? Uh, I think we often on, on this podcast have talked about uh, improving ball handling processing from from wings and making decisions improving shooting i feel like we don't really talk about big men and big men defense as much and i think these two are like really interesting and definitely higher on mark but he's not necessarily he's definitely not perfect um mm-hmm. from an nba perspective how improvable or not do you think his uh, warts are i think a lot of it as we talked about when we were texting is strength based but for someone who at from a combine, like if when he measured at the combine, he's probably going to excel. Like we're going to see those measurements, and I assume be like, holy shit, like this is what it looked like on film, uh, which is true. But then I think the other stuff is largely going to be hidden, which would m- maybe be like forced to get closer to the level. And I mean, he's not. I don't say. I don't think he's like terrible and has slow, has a slow feed, but it's definitely in his best interest to play below the screen and then operate from there. So wh- how improvable do you think uh, someone like Mark's flaws are f- from someone who has the tools? Um, This is something, I don't know if I have a great answer to this because this is something that I want to really dive into more. Like, I don't want to say that it's not understood, but I think, uh, I mean, like we're hitting on right now, trying to figure out where we're at with who a, a big is defensively and who they're going to be and how they get there is really interesting to think through. Like I really want to go through and do like a look back of, of Brooke Lopez in, in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and compare him to where he was at in Milwaukee. Um, because I think that would be a really interesting uh, point, like uh, not even point, but just like a really good gauge of like yeah, tracking development in that, because I mean, we went from Brooke was like a liability defensively and not really much of a, shot blocker um like he he blocked shots but like he was not like an imposing rim protector when he was in brooklyn to becoming one of the best drop big men of the last decade uh over his you know the last two or three years in milwaukee so um i don't i mean a lot's just going to depend on how good are your skills on the other end and give you opportunities to keep developing through it i guess would be the way to put it yeah i think that's definitely a good point and something we've hit on with development period is being able to stay on the floor to earn the live reps and Last thing I wanted on with the measurements, um, guards. Are you someone who gets swayed by a guard measuring six one, six two, 
six feet tall because in scouting a lot, I think it's like small guards don't succeed. Um, some, if Kennedy Chandler does measure, I, I don't think that number is going to be something I want to see. Yeah. How, but we are seeing guards and this is goes compensation thing. Jalen Brunson is not big by any means. And obviously he suits up alongside Luca. So they're not necessarily losing size or losing height, but Jalen Brunson's probably much more effective than someone with his, like if you erase the name and put his combine measurements as just like, and just show them to someone I, I think Jalen Brunson would be much more effective than they would assume based on those tools. So how confident are you in a guard? It's like a small guard's ability to compensate, whether that be with speed, strength, uh, feel and footwork, or, or do you kind of generally knock guys down a peg? I like, I know my answer, but I'm curious where you're at. Um, Like I just, how does it look on film? Like that's really yeah. all I care about, to be honest. Like, uh, I know that you and I were uh, Sharif fans last year and still are like, or fans is how we put it, but like, I, I mean, seeing the, well, seeing the number definitely uh, was interesting, but yeah. like, what do you mean, mean? <laughs> Yeah. Knowing like, I mean, regardless, like we know he's short. Like I know that that's a thing for him. Like whatever the size is, that's, I mean, just because somebody measures six foot two or six foot three or whatever on at their, at the, at the combine doesn't change what they look like on film, you know, like, I mean, the, obviously there's some stuff to it, I guess, but um, for the most part, I don't really think it, it changes up a ton for me or really at all. Are you in the same I mean, boat? Yeah. I'm in the exact same boat. And that's kind of what I hoped you would say, which is the, like the message and overall point that I kind of want to leave everyone who's listening with this episode is we have 30 games of film. You should probably not rely on, one day of measurements or two days of scrimmages to dispute what you see using it as a different litmus test and putting guys through different lenses and pitting them up against talent that they might not have seen throughout the year. That's a very different uh, boat than, you know, kind of overhauling the entire body of work and see like throughout the entire year. I was a huge Jared Butler guy last year who is probably no more than six, two didn't have very good tools, but as you said, on film handle pace, footwork, um, ability to read defenders, progress as a pick and roll ball handler. And look, look, that could completely flame out. But the point being, the film was there and he showed everything in, in that last year at Baylor. So yeah, I'm in your same boat and uh, maybe to a detriment, give me all the six, two and a half, six, three guards. Um, yes. <laughs> last, so last thing of the combine is that in potentially the, scariest most agenda prone aspect and what has started to kind of take over the week are these pro days that where guys aren't going to participate in the combat or in the scrimmage aspect maybe some guys don't even measure it has kind of become the trend for guys who are looking like lotto locks or have a promise or maybe even safe in the top 20 to show up to the combine conduct interviews with the teams that are in their draft range and then go through their agent see specific pro days now we are not on the ground in chicago we won't have the luxury of attending these pro days which leaves us and i'm sure like many of the listeners at home refreshing twitter and seeing clips of guys baking in open gyms i am gonna put the ball in your court mark schindler what should we do about these clips how should we react to them should we react at all is there anything that you 
should look for and take note of? Um, yes, great question. Uh, remember the Devin Vassell jump shot freak out from two years ago? That was a tough day. Yeah. That was a tough day <laughs> yeah. for me. That was, uh, I think that's a great example of kind of just trying to issue away pro day videos. Like, um, I mean, that was just a, that was a, that was an unnecessary day in basketball discourse. Luckily I had not been really part of that scouting cycle, but I just, I mean, that's the exact point. Like I became very aware of it uh, because it was impossible to not note with how, how much uh, people were freaking out on Twitter. The NFL has been absolutely fine with this jump shot in the NBA, believe it or not. Uh, another example, Jake, you're a Knicks fan. How many times have you seen Mitch Robinson tween Hezzy into a pull-up uh, in the offseason? It's every offseason, isn't it? How many times has he done that in a game? Never. Uh, I do not care about what your pro day looks like, if we're being completely honest. Like, I just – I could not give less of a shit. Um, if it's not happening on the court, uh, if it's – like, I okay, like, if this is somebody who's, like, never taken jump shots before in their their career and then they're out there like actually doing stuff off movement and versatility maybe okay no, maybe no maybe no. but like i've seen it no i've seen it i've been fooled no like yeah. and this is the shooting especially is it's so tough because well yeah, it's like if um, you're not out there actually play, like it just is so different like i can go, oh okay i i should say i used to be able to go out there and hit shots from wherever I wanted to on an empty court. But as Locked soon as I was, I was given the Grant Williams treatment every single pickup game I've played my entire career. And for good reason. Um, like it just is very different in game. Like when you're actually playing against length and, and um, yeah, that's like, just, no. so there, are t- there are two things that I wanted to, and this is just something like you go through it, you get burned because you're like, Oh shit. Like this looks really good. Like where I've been burned. And this is, I mean, one of the classes I was taking at school, uh, we spent an entire chapter on biases and I learned the shit out of those biases because I came up with an example as it pertains to scouting for every single one. I call this Jake takes sociology. one <laughs> <laughs> And I remember if there's a prospect that you don't, that you don't like, or you don't buy their shooting projection and you see them in an open gym, you're just like, oh, I'm not buying. When I saw Denny, when I saw Denny shooting the shit out of that ball. And the, the base looked cleaner. The, the diff looks quicker. He was getting it off quick. I said, oh, we might be working with something. Same, same result. Like, and I think something that gets underestimated is the decision and quick reaction and prep and lack of hesitation necessary that comes with even shooting a catch-and-shoot shot in, in an NBA game with how quickly everything is moving and how people that are like mediocre to below-average shooters – just don't necessarily want to shoot all the time. And we saw like one of, one of the plays that's ingrained in my head from yesterday's game sevens is Derek White having a wide open catch and shoot three on the wing, no one near him. And then opting to drive into aforementioned Brooke Lopez and getting his shit absolutely swatted. So I think what these, a lot of the time, what these um, open gym sh- shooting <laughs> where these guys are just gunning from spot to spot, even if they're moving a little bit, it's not game like because there's no decision to be made. You're just catching and shooting. You know you are 1,000% shooting that ball, and your mind is so trained that you're doing that. It takes out the hardest thing in basketball, which is making the decision in the first place, and then compounding with the second thing that I want to point out is you know, shot speed. 
I remember Zaire Smith, and you can look, everyone can look this up. Zaire Smith shooting at uh, his pro day in, or maybe not even the pro day, but just like in a night in, I think it was UIC's gym. And it takes him like a whole, I don't want to say like two seconds, but like a long, long time to catch, load, set, fire. And you just look at it and you're just like, this is not replicable. So as we talked about in the beginning with not getting carried away with uh, results-oriented stuff in the scrimmages, like that's even more applicable and more present in pro days. Everyone's going to look, everyone's going to look good in a pro day. If you don't look good in your pro day, you fire agent. The whole point of your pro day is to sell yourself. So I think that is in, in our doc, I, I said, stay off Twitter. And that's kind of what I would urge everyone to do because it is hard to avoid the biases, especially when it's someone you, you're prone to liking. Um, stay off Twitter. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, that is a really great way to put it. Um, I I'm right there with you. Uh, it like like you mentioned, I think the shot speed is the biggest thing you brought up too, and the same thing along with you know just talking about making the decision because shooting is a decision. Um, Jake, do you want to hit on anything else in this? I was actually going to put you on the spot. Um, oh, real quick. I wanted, so we don't know who's scrimmaging, mm-hmm. um, but I was curious if you had someone who was going to pop in the scrimmages, if, like based on the criteria that we presented, um, someone you could project as a combine riser. That's a good question. I'm cheating because I have the list pulled up right now, so I can go with mine and give you a second to pull up okay, the list participants. Yours? Um, mine's Seabrook. I, I just think he's kind of like tailor made for this, and it's he can get like, yeah. NC State it's not necessarily like his pickup all the time. So it's his process every time. He's gonna get to the rim, and uh, that's what he does. He I think he has like over three hundred rim attempts this year, which is absolutely insane. And I think he's someone that, and he played in the ACC, so definitely no. There's definitely not a lack of athletes there. And I think he's someone who's just going to be able to get his game off in the setting, um, can play off of others, not necessarily as an off-ball shooter or anything like that, but when can attack off closeouts, can create his own off in isolation. I, I just think his offensive game is versatile and prone to winning in a multitude of ways. So I think Sebron is someone who uh, we could see rise after this week. I think that's interesting. And I, I like he's somebody he's definitely somebody I want to go back and watch more of because i don't really know what to think of him like i love guys who can get to the rim um you have the number pulled up for what he's finishing at the rim this year or what he finished at the rim this year i do not um give me two seconds to pull that up but yeah and then no, I, but i i totally agree with you like especially against like the, he's going against groups I that think, are not going to be very set defenses i think so it like, was 58 percent if oh, I it's actually better than top of my um, Oh no, no, he's he can finish. It's not like a he's a legit finisher. I'm I'm pretty confident. Hmm. Um, did you find your guy? Because I have a couple guys that I want to run by you and get your thoughts. Um, man, this is this is tough. Like, who who else would you go with? What do you think about? Well, I was gonna swing it to you for your guy ryan rollins who i haven't i've seen really a good. half of but i from I what i've watched seen, more than a half i think he could be yeah really I've only, this is why i was asking well, you because well this is this is and he this is kind of 
tough shot maker, correct? This yes. is this is my gauge, tough shot maker. But actually, Howard, even more than that, I think you would. I yeah. really think you'll like his game because Toledo's offense is all read and react. Like it's all like he's a he's a he's a much better passer than the combo guard moniker is ever going to give somebody. Like he's good at making like the right reads and just doing um, little things as a passer. But I agree. Like I think a lot's going to be on shot variance. But um, I think you could which is there. which is as we preached. Be wary. Be yeah. wary. But I do think he's an interesting case study of someone who was a mid major, got his stuff off against mid majors. How does that look against different athletes and with more length who are bigger, faster, stronger, all that. Uh, so I think he's a really interesting guy. Um, there were a couple others. I go, I think Marjan's going to play well in the combine if he goes. So, yeah, I would, I don't know if he's going to play. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. I have, I have the Sebron pulled up. Um, oh, not as good as i thought yeah i was gonna say i don't think he finished that yeah no not as good i yeah knocked down my guess 10 percent, which is a big that's a lot of Uh, percent (laughs) like (laughs) oh 48 which not great on 258 half court room attempts that's That's a lot pretty ridiculous that's that's a little rough but yeah in fairness like he's driving into like half the fucking team so so like perhaps the guy i'm most interested in watching david roddy what does he look like in this setting it's a really um he's someone who i think could be really interesting is as a high field guy who can it doesn't it's like what does his role look like and and he's someone i'm actually really interested to see how he fares in this kind of improv setting whereas Colorado state obviously was very catered to him put him in spots to succeed is he gonna post up is he gonna be a spot up guy is he gonna be attacking closeouts um He's what I'm really interested to see, honestly. You know who else could be very fun? Jake Laravia, man. I finally went through and watched Wake Forest for the first time this year. Uh, and, yeah, I think I could see it with him doing pretty well in a combine setting. Just, like, looking good. Not necessarily, like, being a, a massive box score numbers guy, but he could be fun. Um, two more guys who I expect to have takeaways from. I'm going to go, this is, this is a, this could either go really good or really poor. Trevion Williams. Yeah, that could be interesting. Um, I can, I can see him. There's a world in which I can see him playing hard as hell, being a role man, absolutely dicing up teams who aren't synced up in the backside. No help to help her. He's going to kill you there. And if a team wants to like enable him to blitz, I can see him getting to the level trapping, giving ball handlers fits, getting up into their skin, um, all that good stuff. There's also very much uh, a a role or a path in which uh, he's overwhelmed by size, is a little too slow. He doesn't necessarily have the passing windows and just isn't able to hold up around the rim. So he's someone I'm really interested to watch because I think this is going to go one way or the other. Man, you're such a hater. No, just kidding. I'm not uh, a, you're, you're I wrote correct. about him in you're December. Very, I know. I'm kidding. You're very right. It could be. It could be very interesting to see how he looks there. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else I would I would toss out there. Like, I don't really think that there's anybody else I necessarily want to throw out there. Like, I I'm very interested to see how things go, especially since I'm going to keep up with it this year. But um, that's kind of it on my Montero. end. Montero. Montero's my guy. Um, not not my guy, my guy, 
my guy to watch yeah. here. I would that, assume no, that could be that, yeah, especially playing against like real prospects. I would assume he's going to scrimmage because the he only should. film of him has been overtime elite and Hoop Summit. Hoop Summit, where he was Summit, good in Hoop Summit. He was good, but was no, okay. I don't. Yeah, but I, I again, like we talked about this in the pod, not necessarily something to write home about. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I have another one. I, okay, somebody that not that I know that well, they're gonna do my, well. My Montero point. I just want to finish real quick. Just from a like, I, the, what I'm really looking for is like, how small does he look? Because he looked really freaking small at Hoop Summit against yeah. high school kids. So I'm interested right off the jump uh, to see how, what he looks like. Who is your other guy? Uh, I not. This is not meant from. This is just more of like a neutral. I want to see how he looks, and I want to see Bryce McGowan's. How does? What does he do? Like, how is he used? What happens? I I don't want to say that I'm not a McGowan's guy, but after watching him in Nebraska, I I just have a lot of questions. I don't really feel like I get his game. Is is that an unfair way to put it? Like, not that I uh, – I do not see some of the primary scoring upside that I think others are seeing, um, but I think – One thing not – I think not getting his game like, – I, I can tell you who Bryce Mack is. I think there's a very different – saying you don't understand the game – on Donnerson, his game is very different from saying you don't see it and similar to others. Like, I think both can be true. I would say for me, both are true. Well, yeah, no, I think it's both. Like for me, like I yeah. just, I think that there's like, if his shot really comes along, it could be a very interesting, like secondary scoring wing. But like in terms of what his actual scoring package and ability as a driver is right now, I'm, I am not there. So I, I want to see what he looks like in the comments because that could be very interesting. Just like seeing the way that he was used in Nebraska, it's going to be different uh, at the next level. So I, I just am interested to get a small dose of that. But yeah, that, that would probably be my last point. I want to hit on. Last guy before we leave. Um, what do you think of Wendell Moore in this setting, assuming he scrimmages? Because I think he's like fringe first right now. Um, I'm excited to see him scrimmage. Do you think he does scrimmage? You never know. Uh, I I don't I I would hope because I actually think he could look pretty good in this setting. Yeah, that's kind um, of where I'm. Which at is you. which is why I brought him up. I, I think he's someone who he, it's very different here because he wasn't like he he did a ton of stuff for Duke, but it wasn't necessarily like stuff was catered to him. Like he was kind of he learned how to play on the fly, attack closeouts, and the ball was fun, swung to him, run second side actions. Like he's very different than from other guys in this list where they really had stuff run for them. And and I think that's why I, again, we noted that uh, the scrimmages can kind of be more to lose than necessarily to gain if you aren't one of the big standouts. And for someone who is a streaky shooter like him, if he doesn't have a good three showing from three, I can see how that could end up going poorly. He's someone I would probably urge to scrimmage because i do think he would look good and, and i think that could help boost his stock a little bit yeah no i think it's a good point it'll be interesting to see because we could just be wrong about everything so who knows oh of course <laughs> that's the fun that is, part. That, is, that is always on the table yeah exactly <laughs> well jake this was fun man we will be back uh in the next week or so um to everyone listening thank you for listening most importantly have a rest of your day